Welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 28, The Lies of Locke Lamora. I'm Elena. I'm Rachel. And before we get started tonight, I'm just going to offer the usual caveat. If you're not familiar with this podcast, we are not a book review. We are a book discussion. There will be spoilers. We will talk about the plot. We assume that you're not listening to this until you have read the book. So... With all that said, uh, we're here tonight to talk about The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch, which was uh, originally assigned after we read Gideon the Ninth, uh, like over a, a year years ago. ago. Before and the pandemic, in the before time. In the before time, um, and which took, uh, took us an entire year to read, and we actually went back and read the sequel to Gideon. Uh, and podcasted on that one first. So this is like, you know, a response to both of those books. Um, but yeah, before we uh, dive into the discussion, uh, Rachel, have you been reading or doing anything else of interest book related wise lately? Yes. So uh, if you know about Bucky Bradio, then you have heard my voice on Bucky Bradio. We are reading through all of the Robin Hobb realm of the elderlings books and that has been keeping me very busy uh in the pandemic times um but if you're not into robin hobb you should be but if you're not um i'm also reading uh, what i call trash books the pandemic and that's basically anything like trashy and romance and uh with bonkers plots that's been that's been my life force for the past 10 months (laughs) Yeah, the crazy crazy sauce is great escape escapism. Yes. Um, yeah, so I've been reading lots of um, professional development books like Nonviolent Communication and um, the you know Consciousness of the Octopus. But um, I've also started to finally revisit the Murderbot series, which I had read. Um, like the first one a long time ago like right after it came out and then Mm -hmm. never gone back for any of the sequels so i'm on number three right now out of um out of i think there's five available so yeah um that's what i've been reading and enjoying very much uh murderbot is murderbot's wonderful yeah isn't it yeah. It's hard to, well, I mean, it's not hard to explain, but it's sometimes can be a hard sell to get people to read, read those yeah. books in my experience. And it's, they're always like, oh, wait, these were great. I'm like, yeah, of course they were. I don't steer you wrong. <laughs> yeah. So that's, the, that's like the first fiction book that I've, that has been new. Um, uh, that wasn't like a, a reread that I've read a dozen times. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably since I dropped out of um, Buckkeep and then we read Harrow and like, that's, that's it. I just, I rarely read fiction anymore. So. Ah. Well, Buckkeep is coming back. So. Yes. But back, back, <laughs> back to Dragonlands, which is the part of the map that I'm invested in. So. Right. Right. Yeah, so I'm looking forward I have to that. to read them all. It's a, it's, a, it's almost a punishment. It's not, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get breaks. Um, yeah, it's been it's been uh, there's been a lot of time to read because I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. It's pandemic. So uh, I do. I have been reading a lot. I mean, obviously, I read a lot of genre anyway, but I've been really leaning into books where especially like romance novels where the problems are small and 
or at least small to me, like they're not mm-hmm. pandemics. <laughs> and, you know, the endings are sort of guaranteed and that helps me. That sort of helps mellow my, my anxieties yes. a little bit. Yes, romance is fantastic for that, where it's almost never um, consequences that affect the world. <laughs> oh, all the anxiety. Right, right. And this book, on the other hand, was like so much anxiety. Like, you know, like not, it wasn't like global, or at least it, not yet. I There's more of these books, but, um, and I, I have not read the others, so I don't know if it gets global, but very, very high stakes. <laughs> Yeah, so let let's um let's let's go ahead and shift gears then. I'll uh we'll talk about the background on the book and then you can tell me what it's about and then we can just jump into our okay. discussion. Um all right, so the The Lies of Lamora by Scott Lynch. It is book 1 in the Gentleman Bastards sequence and you know, it's a very very clear way to say this is an ambiguous number of books. Um it's not necessarily a trilogy. Like right now it's a trilogy supposedly there are more coming but there's no actual um solid eta for them so we'll see uh it was originally published uh by bantam spectra which is a subsidiary of random house back in 2006 and the first sequel red seas under red skies followed a year later and the republic of thieves came out in 2013 um so i actually have never been able to read either or sequel because when I first read this book, I thought it was like one of the most perfect books I had ever read. And I just refused to let anything spoil that, including um, a sequel that took the story in places I didn't want it to go. Uh, and I also had not reread this book in about 10 years. Um, I think I probably read it uh, every six months for, you know, quite a f- for maybe three, four five years there and then hadn't touched it since. So um yeah so we'll talk about that (laughs) but rachel before we get started uh about the 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 you know nuts and bolts on this book tell me what it's about okay here's my take you can read much longer much more convoluted summaries on the internet i'm trying to get it down in a couple paragraphs so Um, It is told by way of several timelines worth of flashbacks and interludes that are mixed uh, amidst the current action. The Lies of Lacamora tells the tale of a small gang of thieves called the Gentleman Bastards in Camor, which is like fantasy Venice, complete with mafia shit, trying to pull off their current job in a city crawling with politics, gang alliances, and secret police. Their leader is Locke, a nondescript guy of average appearance with a brilliant mind and a flair for disguises. Then there's Gene, he's the muscle. Kahlo and Galdo are the sense of twins who can do everything and anything, and their apprentice bug. Via flashbacks, you learn that they are all orphans taken in by a priest of a local, an oft-forgotten god of thieves and nobodies. They steal as part of their faith, and it's kind of a bit of a Robin Hood game because they are always stealing from the wealthy nobles, and they hardly spend any of the money that they steal on themselves. Um, anyways, the current scam involves impersonating a merchant from out of town, some counterfeit booze, and some overly trusting but fairly decent nobles. This crosses directly over a revenge plot from yet another group of baddies who are trying to take out the biggest local sort of Don mafia guy. Um, 
to crawl out of shit, Locke and company have to think fast and pull a zillion con jobs, one very notably just to get a decent jacket to wear that's like five cons in one. Uh, there's even more disguises, a sorcerer type called a bonds mage, at least two barrels of horse piss, and shark fighting. Also, Locke has an out-of-town girlfriend that is mentioned quite a few times, but we hardly see her in the flashback, so she remains a mystery despite being the person who gave him his nickname, the Thorn of Camor. And obviously she's really important um, because Locke doesn't date anyone else. All but Locke and Jean end up getting killed in this turf war and they manage an epic vengeance gig at the end worthy of Inigo Montoya if he was directed by Tarantino. And it gets them victory, satisfaction, and even saves hundreds of innocent Kamori lives from uh, a living death by magic. There's also a delightfully disgraced doctor called Abelius, who is my favorite because he points out that Locke and his friends are always misusing their bodies as if their bodies and their minds are two separate beings. And it's hilarious given how high stakes um, everything often is. And he just kind of bumbles in and he's like, hey, you put a hole in yourself. You shouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> but that is kind of the gist. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that covers it well. It gives um, a good feel of like, how complicated it is how many names there are how many plot lines there so are complicated. um <laughs> and you know some of the the sort of swashbuckling irreverent feel because uh this was this is one of the first fantasy books i read that said fuck a lot um so you know at the time it was like new and different and impressive um I don't actually think it was one of the first to do it. It was simply that I kind of took a break on epic fantasy right before George Martin started publishing the Game of Thrones series. So when I've, you know, dipped back in and discovered like the, the sea change that had happened, like this was one of the first books that I've read and it mm -hmm. was really exciting for me. Um, but it might, you know, by, by that point, I don't think it was like really a new thing or a new style. It was just new to me. Yeah, this is like, I would consider this, uh, not high fantasy, but this is that kind of like gritty fantasy. But instead of it being like about like battlefields and dragons and like big continents, it's about a city. It's about one shitty city with <laughs> all of its yeah. problems and its neighborhoods. And yeah, yeah, like it, it's it's sort of like sword and sorcery in the sense that like it's it's while it might be high stakes to the characters, it's really not like high stakes to anybody else. It's just um, you know. It's just a story about, it's a story about a gang of thieves, you know, basically. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can talk a little bit about the characters just so that, and we can, you know, argue about how to, how to say the names, um, uh, if, if we uh. want. Um, <laughs> I just, the only one is I, for some reason I read it as Jean Tannen, like, you know, kind of French, but oh. I don't. Like Jean-Luc Picard, maybe. Oh, that's, that's my reference That's probably point. it. I'm like, Gene, it's his name's Gene. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> um, well, I mean, okay, Gene is legitimately, my, like... uh, yeah, Gene is legitimately a dude's name, but this is spelled the J-E-A-N, so to me that mm -hmm. always, if, if it's a man, it's, that, that spelling is Jean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah so, I just so like you... the idea of him just having some, like, dumb, like, 80s name, <laughs> like Gene. <laughs> I just have to Everyone hold on until Jane cool Tan like, gets Jean. here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, until Rachel Jane kind Tan of gets here in like a with like just a little bit of a lilt. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So Rachel kind of hit the highlights. Uh, the the gang members are are Locke, uh, Jean, 
Callow and Galdo bug. And then the nobles, it's Don and Donya Salvara. Um, Locke is a, what are they called? A, uh, a, a peso or something like that of Kappa Barsavi. And uh, Kappa Barsavi also has a daughter named Nasca, who is more or less Locke's age and a friend. And so uh, then there's the people on the other side who would be the the gray king and the bonds mage and then there is the duke's spider um who's a mysterious uh law enforcement um unofficial official who is trying to find the thorn of kamor and then there's the city of kamor itself which i listed as a character because it's one of those settings that really kind oh, of yeah. defines the story so um and then otherwise yeah, there's... there's like different neighborhoods and you know mm -hmm. you know like in this neighborhood is where the horrors work and this neighborhood belongs to this this kappa and this mm -hmm. you know it's it's very distinct yeah um and the the only other character um of note uh that we see on page is father chains who was the the priest who trained them all and he's um, seen quite a bit in the before time timelines, but he's uh, has has died by the time the now is happening when they're all adults. So, yeah. Um. Well, I want to talk about Locke. He's yeah. the, you know, Locke Lamora is not even his name. We don't even know what his name is. Um, and he's been a sort of criminal savant since he was a child yes <laughs> um, like he just can't help it he's just so clever and he thinks and he thinks like a really great amazing con artist and criminal and he knows exactly how to outsmart you and trick you and take on personalities and think on his feet really well mm -hmm. and it seems that he was destined to be this great thief <laughs> there was no like there was no other path for him like possibly he could have like ruled ruled the stage as you know a character actor if he'd been born into that family instead of you know left as an orphan. Yeah, but I think he enjoys like fucking with people. More, you know, like, <laughs> there's like something visceral about winning, about tricking someone. Like he gets mm -hmm. he gets something from that. No, for sure. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I I like I appreciate that you that you use the term. Um, like criminal savant for him because you know i read this book before i was a parent and like i have i now have a six-year-old the book opens when Locke is approximately six and you know the the all of the chapters have very um intro you know they have eloquent titles um and so the, it's like chapter one the boy who stole too mm -hmm. much i mean that like that tells you everything you need to know about this child um but yeah like my my six-year-old could could not no matter how street smart he was he could not be pulling off half of this shit so like it's the it, you know you let it go but it's maybe maybe he was just a criminal genius yeah so with the rest of them there's you know the the heavy implication that they were like trained trained into this and Locke was born into this like it, it is just an intrinsic part of his personality yes yeah, like, he doesn't necessarily need training on how to do these things. He needs training on how to control what he's doing. 
Yeah. Because his first big job it gets people like has unintended consequences because he doesn't think all of it through and it works and he gets what he wants. But, you know, there's a huge riot and half the city almost burns down and I th- and some people die. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um got to learn got to learn to control the consequences. Right, right. And he, you know, and I guess it's the, it's so many times in fantasy novels, we're sitting, we're, we're presented with a character who has like a special destiny and they are, you know, the secret prince or they have powers they don't understand. And like Locke isn't really anyone in this story. I have no idea if he turns out to be anyone at all. Um, I can see arguments for either, but in this, in this book, he is no one. And he has always been no one. And his greatest strength is that he can become whoever he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that's he's like a chosen one in that that is his ability. He, he, he can become what you need him to be. And it's like he's the ultimate book character because he literally funnels the plot like through himself. Like whatever needs to happen, he can manifest it. He can make it. He can make it work, which must be a really fun character to write. Yes. Um, and from the perspective of um, trying to create a character who can keep the reader totally surprised with what he's going to come up with um, and and somehow like sell it. Also, probably a very difficult character to write, um, or at least maybe maybe I'm just like betraying my own lack of, you know, criminality here. But like the shit that he <laughs> comes up with, I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> Like, if you gave me a month to plan, maybe I could come up with something, but <laughs> but not like on the fly or, you know, in a matter of minutes or like one good think overnight. <laughs> yes. And there were so many moments in this story where I found myself quoting back to the Princess Bride. Like, that's kind of like the energy that they have. The like, it's like shit is real and going down and people are dying and being tortured and like losing limbs and being eaten by sharks and stuff but you know they're like oh you think now's time to be funny you think you think that now it's like well i could if i just had a holocaust (laughs) cloak you know it's just like they're just so irreverent and aware of Mm -hmm. and i mean i I, that's on purpose because they're these are the kind of characters of like the aughts right like that you would see in stuff like i don't know um like maybe Snatch or uh, like Ocean's Eleven or mm. yeah yeah like this is yeah this is like a Guy Ritchie movie yeah you know yeah <laughs> it's like if Guy Ritchie did The Princess Bride and the whole movie was about them doing that one con job at the end to like get in the castle <laughs> like yes <laughs> you know because like Miracle Max is like oh you know if you're gonna do it because you're getting revenge well then I'll do it for free and here's a pill and Haha, take care of yourself, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the doctor. And... Yeah, I mean, that's literally the doctor that they run into. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jean, 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 Jean Tannen. Jean Tannen is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, I've been studying the blade for <laughs> my entire life, for 20 years. I know all the blades. I have my two favorite blades. These are them. I carry them with me. But I can use any blade. I can kill a man with a thought. I know how to kill him slowly, kill him quickly, kill him fast, on accident, make it look like an accident. It's like they've all... That's one of the great things about 
about Father Chains is that he sends them all out on their own adventures to like learn different skills so that they can come together and become like this little like criminal X-Man group. Where yes. <laughs> it's like they've all been initiated into some like inner mysteries of one of the religions. They can pretend accents. They have different skills. Farmers, shipwrights, navigation, cook. Like they're all master chefs randomly. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, they You know, they know all the all the proper like service and they probably all had dancing lessons. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> they're very modern. They're very modern criminals in like an old fashioned fantasy setting because these are the kind of con men that you expect to see in like a slick you know blockbuster movie set like now or maybe mm -hmm. like maybe the 80s but like certainly now where it's like i have a plane and i'm rich and i have a butler and i know everything and i speak 20 languages you know like that's mm -hmm. them except that they have magic and wear leather pants <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you're doing such a, a a better job of selling this book um than than I think I did. I was like it's it's like swashbuckling, you know, um broken timeline. It's great. It's it's really like a lot I like mean, it is incredibly <laughs> broken and I have to admit it took me a year to read this book. <laughs> yeah, I mean it took, it it took me a year to uh, to do my reread on it too. And it's funny because like I remember the first time I read it, I, I'm pretty sure I loved it from, like, the first chapter, and I couldn't put it down until I was finished. And, like, if we haven't mentioned this, this book is fucking huge. It's, like, 750 pages in a in a paperback, or, like, and yeah, not, like, it's the... endless. Not, yeah, <laughs> and, and, like, the real paperback, where not, like, the, you know, ex expanded font edition for old people. Like, it's legitimately fucking huge. And, um... I don't know, this time it took me until people, until named characters started dying to get into. And then it was like it picked up. And I was like, I don't think that I, you know, back then had the patience for like a 250 page buy-in. Like, so I must have, there, there it was. Is, it's, it is a great buy-in though. Like standing on this side of it, I understand and like really believe in, in that in all those pages even though like while i was going through them i would read each little section and each section is pretty small right like i would pick it up and mm -hmm. it'd be like like it'd be an interlude or a chapter with like different chapters within the chapter the section i'd have to actually i don't have a physical copy of this book i read it on ebook and i i'm very curious as to how the table of contents looks but it would be like chapter one it'd, it'd be and it would say like you have 15 minutes left in this chapter and then like a half a page later there would be another section mm -hmm. and so i was like okay i'm supposed to be reading it in these like chunks and each chunk is made up of like these different memories these different flashbacks so each of those are pretty short but that was also kind of the detriment because i'd be like i'm gonna read this and then i would reach a natural stopping point and put it down because i hadn't mm -hmm. been like quite sucked into the plot yet because i was still learning about the characters and the relationships and the world and like the big like the larger con where they're doing all the stuff with Lucas Fairwright, that starts off early, but mm -hmm. you kind of know from the beginning, like this isn't the main con. Like, yeah, they want it to be the main con, but shit is going to hit the fan and it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it's also one where the, the broken timeline 
um it, at first it can be really frustrating because you you're like well what is this what is this here for why am i reading about this like why am i supposed to care because it's it's really it's it's introduced before you necessarily have a reason to care about all the characters and to know who they are but one of the things that i mm-hmm. i love the most about this book is the way every single flashback matters like none of them are arbitrary Absolutely. and none of them um you know are are there for fluff or filler like they all they all play some part in like how you read the end of the story and like how satisfying it is from sort of a um, climax and denouement kind of perspective. Yeah. I think anyone who is really into, and I, I'm not necessarily a connoisseur of this particular way of reading or watching consuming media, but when you watch something and you want everything to mean something and at the end you want all of the you know all of the t's and i's to be dotted and crossed and you want to be able to connect all those threads this Mm -hmm. book does that with that in mind like it's set out to say okay i'm going to give you all these pieces there is not going to be any skill action or choice made that is not reinforced like how did they learn how to do that how did they know how to do that why would they you know all of that is explained with these flashbacks Mm-hmm. Um, which is great, mm-hmm. and and it, and the and the flashbacks also do a really great job of showing um, like the the in jokes for these characters, and you know in in right. the same way that like Arrested Development does because that's that's the TV show that I can think of that does this the best. Um, the Office maybe also does this where like it just it does such a great job of building on itself, and so by the you know the later seasons you've got like in jokes between the characters that reference stuff that happened earlier you know and so you've now got that in joke with the characters too and that's an- that's another way that the flashbacks are used so like uh, i'm specifically thinking here of the time um jean tannen was to be initiated into um the the mysteries of <laughs> Uh, what what was it? <laughs> I forget her I'm, name. I'm like our, our Lady of the Merciful Silence or something. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, the Death Goddess. The, the Death Goddess, and you know all of the initiates of the Death Cult basically are like they're half suicidal, and like so they're all all the time like ha- doing things that might get them killed, and they're just like you know it's the Lady's will, and it's exciting, and like that's their that's their kink basically, and so you know Jean. Uh, decides he doesn't want to die he's got the initial sort of set of in, like entry words if he if he needs them that was his mission and so he basically writes a suicide note the lady is calling me and i must answer and fakes it like he jumped off a cliff and you know died uh in and the water that below name comes back later when they're like What's and then he name? uses that name later to get entry into the the you know, the cult, um, the local version of the local temple in Camor, And then they spend the rest of the book talking about all the miracles that, you know, <laughs> they're going to, that scholars of the goddess are going to get to trace and like be astonished at. <laughs> yes. Cause he was coming, he was calling from beyond, from beyond the veil. Yes. Um, yeah. I love that. I, I do. I guess I feel like I didn't, I didn't say enough about how actually truly funny this book is. It is quick wit. It is witty and funny and timed well and i really enjoyed that because even when i didn't know what was going on what was going on was so funny that i was very content to just kind of like sail along with it and watch them pull whatever it 
crazy bullshit they were about to pull you know, stealing <laughs> boats and hiding and pretending to be other people and you know always one step ahead until they're not mm-hmm. yeah and and i'm and i'm glad that um that that it was that it was a fun ride for you and i, I like i feel like the humor of this book is what lets it get away with like its length and and honestly like when i got to some of like the the torture parts i was like oh shit i did not remember this being this graphic i did not warn her and i know that like you don't like you don't necessarily have a big problem with like explicitness but at the same time like you kind of want to know it's coming and i you know i just because it's so at odds with the tone of the book the rest of the time like i think i had blanked it out yeah, um, I think that's why I I would I I was going more Tarantino than like Guy Ritchie because like it's it's got like the style and like the like machismo of like a Guy Ritchie kind of movie. Um, and mm-hmm. by the way, I thought about this like a hundred times while I was reading. I was like, they should make a movie out of this. I don't know how they would, yes. but it would make a great movie. Um, but mm-hmm. I like the Tarantino part is the cruelty because there was cruelty mm-hmm. and like even your heroes are cruel like. Breaking mm-hmm. kneecaps and tearing people's tongues out and, and, you know, just torturing people because they deserve it and, and laughing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, these aren't, they're criminals. Like they, they have hearts of gold. They have soft hearts, but they're bad people. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or, you know, maybe, maybe another way to look at it is that they are utterly um, informed by their culture and their conditioning and their oh, yeah. culture yeah. is, you know, is violent. And it is, I mean, criminals are used to having people not trust them as you were not trusted by me, <laughs> you know, like that's the, like, it's, it's a, it's a code of honor enforced strictly by violence. And, um, and, and, and actually like right. part of, part of what makes um what makes Locke who he is even in that world is that even though he runs like what everyone thinks is a small and not that successful gang um part of why he is beloved of Kappa Barsavi and it you know at one point like floated as a potential husband for Kappa Barsavi's daughter is that he's very honest with his Kappa and so like it, it, but it's not really honesty it's the appearance of honesty and it's like the, the oh we didn't have yeah, we didn't have a great week this week. I didn't bring you as much as last week. I'm sorry, you know, kind of. Um, but it, it's the appearance of scrupulousness and the appearance of like constantly giving respect and like being just the perfect paysan. That was the word. Um, paysan, yeah, yeah. Paysan, yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. So, oh, and and the thing is, like, it's well, you know, I, I, it kind of reminds me of the idea in. Uh, I'm about to spoil this movie. Sorry if you haven't seen this like 20 year old movie. Um, <laughs> So it kind of reminds me of the movie um, The Prestige, which, you know, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, um, you know, the absolute dedication to the lie that right. like the old like the old man with the fishbowl, you know, has or that the, the twins create um, to continue to sell their story of like, you know, a, a disappearing and appearing across the room. Um, and like it, it kind of has that feel to it where, you know like Locke and his gang, like they live the lie that they're trying to tell to everyone else in order to be free to like do what they want to do in terms of, you know, their well, what's interesting agenda. too is because we're in a fantasy setting and there is magic and there it's, you know, and it's not fully explained to you what all the different magics can do, but it exists and they mm-hmm. use it as technology, but they also can use it to control and torture people. Um, mm-hmm. But our group 
the gentleman bastards, not necessarily users of magic, right? Just students of life. Like yep. they're great fighters. They can speak languages. They can bluff their way through any situation and they don't quote unquote cheat by using magic to trick people. They're just mm -hmm. doing it honestly, which I think is a brilliant juxtaposition with their victims who are often magic users or people who are getting their wealth that way. Um, mm -hmm. So I liked that as well because, again, there's like a little bit of Robin Hood, a little bit of like anti-capitalist, like, let's just fuck stuff up because that's what our God wants us to do. Like... Mm -hmm. Well, also a little bit anti-capitalist you know. because let's 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 call a spade a spade. The like the city of Camor has what's called a secret peace where the the gangs will not bother the nobles who are the wealthy people who could actually have you know fucking afford to get robbed all the time. Um, and in exchange, the the nobles basically turn a blind eye to what they're doing, and so it's like, well, leave mm -hmm. us alone, and then you know, okay, Capabarsabi, you can run the in. city, you know, yeah. yeah. And well, yeah, so... and it's like that. It's that, that's the whole like mafia part of it, right? Because it's each, it's the it's the respect, it's it's the the seriousness with which they take their criminal activity and the ethics mm -hmm. and morality of whatever they've built. Like you do that, but I do this and you live there mm -hmm. and I do this and I'll, I'll invite you to my party, you know, and I'll provide your thugs with drinks and you give mm -hmm. me, you know, money and I give you money. And it's just all very like, how do we crush everyone around us so that we rise higher than everyone else? And, you know, mm -hmm. I think Kappa Barsavi is, is an interesting character because he's kind of fun and mm -hmm. he's still, he's a terrible, terrible man. And I didn't really mourn him when he died. Um, <laughs> especially when you find out like what he did to get where he was. And that's why he was the victim of this, yeah. of this vengeance plot. But you know, he was nice to Locke and Locke mm -hmm. got along with him and his daughter wasn't so bad and his sons were kind of idiots, but yeah, like his his daughter was was the real loss in the uh, in the situation. Um, I mean, not yeah. that she needed to be married to Locke, but you know, like so in in the grand right. tradition of you know um, of of daughters who want a part of the empire having to be clever and talented right. and you know actually kind of brave and useful, and the sons get to be kind of bumbling idiots. You know, Nasca was like she was extremely smart she was actually her father's like accountant and you know she knew everything that was going on and he was like she's the one that's going to be running this shit i mean come on like i, I can't say yeah. it because you know my she's the youngest if she were the oldest maybe I could, I could lean on that but you know she's a girl and she's the youngest i can't do it but she's the one you know um <laughs> but yeah yeah uh yeah so it was like it was genuinely like a loss you know because she was such an she was such an interesting character and we were just starting to kind of get to know her as an adult um when she gets killed and yeah 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 the character that hurt the most for me was bug when bug <sighs> dies oh my god that sucked. yes that yes sucked it's especially because oh my god yeah because because of this that child that child faith that he has like nobody can fuck with us tell him Locke. tell him nobody can fuck yeah. with us 
And, like, he yeah. believes so utterly, and he doesn't have, like, the life experience to to be able to calibrate there. And, you know, so that, that childish sort of belief and faith is, is, like, it gets him killed. Like, he, he, didn't, he didn't necessarily have to die in that situation, except that his own, you know, impulsiveness and childish faith in, his, in, the, in the grown-ups who protected him. Um, right. Well, and that's the difference between Locke as, like, the leader of this gang and, say, someone like Father Chains, who very different leadership styles, right? Like, Father Chains mm-hmm. sat everything out, let everyone figure out. I mean, maybe in his day, Father Chains was, like, hot shit. But he's in our, in, like, when we know him, he's an old man who is a beggar who sits out on the steps and, like, that's what he does. And he rattles his chains. And <laughs> Locke is like the top of his game right so when like he takes on this apprentice in Mm -hmm. bug like it's not just about believing in yourself and thinking this guy's giving me all the tools i need to make something of myself it's like being in hollywood it's like look Mm -hmm. at how hot shit all these people are top of their game look at all the loot we bring Mm -hmm. back every day you know like so he he couldn't help but believe in the gang he couldn't help but believe they were untouchable and that no one messed with them he had like he didn't live yeah. in the. He didn't like live in the real world that even Locke and Jean and Calo and Galdo had grown up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of felt bad for Bug. Yeah. Um, and 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 even 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 that you know is it, what happens to him is kind of foreshadowed because he like he's constantly like throughout mm-hmm. the story making these impulsive decisions that like his friends are able to save him from until they're not right and yeah Yeah, like he had what does it say at one point he has a he has a constitutional incapability to stay put yeah (laughs) i think is what jean says when they're waiting for the barrel to come down underneath Mm -hmm. yeah i have to tell you i spent way too much time imagining what it would be like to drown in horse piss oh my god yeah i i was gagging rereading that scene so horrible it's so horrible and then the spiders i felt that the spiders were too far why did that have to happen it could have been the shrieking eels it could have been rats but it had to be weird swimming spiders (laughs) yes like clawing Um, at my skin right now yeah um but yeah but one one thing i think is worth pointing out is that um, even though there's a lot of violence, and it does include violence against female characters, it is never sexual violence. And that was just so refreshing. Um, that it, It's kind of an equal opportunity story in, in terms of, like, yeah. men and women having positions of, like, being, you know, being in gangs and being fighters and be like, the, the two best shark fighters are, you know, are, are women. Um, and so there's, there's no, there's no sense that like women are kind of held to some sort of passive female role, you know, Nazca's a, a badass in her own way. And um, so it, like when they die, it's to serve, I mean, it's serving the plot. It's not gratuitous. It's not, and it's not sexualized. Like they, the, they died as a female character because they were a female character, not because a female had to die, you know? Um, and I, I think right, it's worth right. saying that because so often, and this is, a, I mean, it's a big criticism of, you know, a lot of 
you know, gritty fantasy, so often the violence against women is either because they're women or it's sexualized. And so it's just, it was nice that that wasn't the case, like, at all. Yeah, it's true. And I um, I also appreciated that uh, there were, that, like, most of his greatest adversaries were women, that, the, you know, the spider is a woman, an old woman at that. So, like, not mm-hmm. even, like, a young and beautiful, like, woman who's, like, beguiling people, like, just a straight-up old lady who knits. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then the two the two twins who were the the cool shark fighters who had like really awesome. I mean, everybody had really cool outfits and I really appreciated yes. like, <laughs> like if you're like into European, like Renaissance portraiture, I have a feeling that's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you could tell who was from the North because they wore dark colors and their coats were made of wool and they had bigger collars. And, you know, like, it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is like, I could see the portraits being done and like, who, like the styles and how, yeah. You or know, like the, the 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 Baron the Baron Gaius or Baron Geis uh, sisters and like how they had like these you know strategically placed like straps of leather that were like their shark fighting outfits uh-huh. so you can like really see this like almost gladiatorial callback yes. you know yeah but there was like almost like a yeah it was all it was like circus show but like really serious like uh like bullfighting mm-hmm. or something where it's like kind of ridiculous but like taken very seriously mm-hmm. yes yeah. I think I think bullfighting would be the would be a good analogy for it because there is such a also sense of theatricality and like uh, they all they always kind of go this way and you know there's like a a build up um, to the events right um, and I mean you know like I'm not I don't support bullfighting it's cruel but you know as as a cultural touchstone it's something that everyone went and saw you know it was respectable mm-hmm. um, and then there's the and then that so there's the shark fighting and then I think they also do handball. There's, like, a lot of, mm-hmm. like, uh, little asides to, like, games of handball that would get out of hand and uh, mm-hmm. and just lots of, like, cool just, like, stuff that builds the society and builds the city and, like, lets you know what it's like to live there. Which, by the way, sounds like chaos all the time. Don't live in Kamor. Oh, <laughs> like... Yeah, def- def- definitely. I don't even know if I want to go visit because while it, like, there were there were so few of the districts that they spent any time in that sounded like... Uh, it all safe. Um, no, I know. It's but... like it's like oh, you get robbed here, murdered here, your body would get dumped here, your boat would get stolen here, your horse would be stolen yeah. here. This there's is literally some... like there's like literally one section of town where it's like bougie and safe, and like the people genuinely like mean it. You know, like they're 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 not um, they're not giving out of a sense of guilt or like compassion, like uh, or like don't rob me, so I'm going to give alms to your priest. Like they're genuinely compassionate because they they're safe enough to be compassionate. It's like right. one it section did, of town. <laughs> it did remind me of like kind of like how I feel like because I live in New York, like how people think if you've never been to New York, what they think of it. It's like oh, Midtown, where all the tall glass buildings are. That's safe. That's where people live. That's where it's nice. And everything around it is the ghetto. It's just like, no, it's not. <laughs> but in this in this kind of fantasy town, it's like you have these like glass towers and then just different ghettos that surround it. Mm-hmm. And it's just pretty funny. Although to be fair, like to Kamor, um, we don't we we see it through Locke's eyes, and so it's possible that he only takes us to to the neighborhoods where you know that have relevance to him as a thief and a, a criminal and a gang member. So right. maybe like and, there's more and... to the city than we see through his eyes. But exactly, his, yeah, that's his true. Kimor, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty funny. 
it's pretty funny. Um, I also really enjoyed the fact that they were like, oh, that ship that came in last night, that ship was stylish. It was all black. Did you see it? It was so pretty. I was like, that. that's like video game bullshit. That's when people are like, do you see that? That one looks better. I like it. It's stylish. I like the color on that ship. Um, it would also probably make a fun video game, although maybe super convoluted. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but you could definitely do like a Grand Theft Auto Camorra edition. Like yes. that would, you know, Grand Theft Carriage or something. Grand Theft Carriage, how many jackets can you steal to, between point A and point B? All those yes. people that work at that, that I, it's almost like a gentleman's club, the way that it was described, that it was just kind of a, a bank slash law office. And mm-hmm. he just goes in and cons everyone it's kind of like you know the game where they're like i started with a toothpick and i traded it now i have a porsche that's like what mm-hmm. he did only with con jobs to like get a better outfit it's it was funny yeah it's like you could just rob well, someone you know <laughs> right it might faster. be simpler you know but um but yeah but it definitely goes um you know go, goes to the sort of um idea that if you if you do anything with enough confidence like most people are going to go along with it and so he just it's it's one of the the awesome things about Locke as a character is that he has like that confidence and it's the even confidence if he doesn't porn. we've talked about this yes. before when we were reading CJ Cherry it's like there's just something really pleasurable about reading some a story where the person has all the tools they need to succeed and it isn't yes. a mystery like they don't have to like remember something they couldn't remember or like find a magical item they're just like mm-hmm. okay let me just use my goddamn brain and figure out how to do it because i can do it yes yes exactly like how how do i effectively use the tools that i already have in my toolkit to approach this problem what a, yeah um no it's it, it, it it's really nice and and because like we see all of those things in the past like we believe it and maybe that's part of it too because like how how would how would you sell this character if you didn't you know know what he'd been through and how he'd been trained and how like strategically father tra- uh, chains had chained mm-hmm. how strategically father chains had trained all of them <laughs> that's a tongue twister um because yeah, like he, it would be like, oh my god, nobody has all these skills. Nobody has all this knowledge. Nobody has, you know, this capacity to put on twenty different faces and like accents and right. You know, well, make that's it, what I mean. Yeah. I think that's why it's more of a modern take on the story because, like, we did have characters like that in the past. Like, if you look at like the Scarlet Pimpernel or something, where it was just like it was a mm-hmm. given that they were they were just better than you. They could fight better. They had mm. better disguises. They had more money, and it was just part of their mystery and their allure that they could like figure this out and like mm-hmm. but i think it's a more modern telling of that it's like well here they are here's batman but here's what made batman batman like mm-hmm. and knowing yeah. that all those gears that make him up is even better because it's almost like i almost feel like bug sometimes especially at the end where he was like just let me have him let me have raza and the spider's mm-hmm. like all right go go get him and I was like, oh, he's fucked now. <laughs> Go get him, Locke. Because at that point, you just kind of like sit back and you're like, all right, what are you going to fucking do to him? Like, what, what what's going to happen? You know, because I had every yes. confidence that he was going to catch him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's, on, there's only one conclusion to, to, to the story. Like, Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like it's not easy. It's not it's obviously not a walk in the park and. I was, I would, you know, I think even Locke would argue I would rather not have had to 
do that. Mm -hmm. Please don't kill my friends. But there is something really, really nice. Going back to what I said about pandemic reads, about like knowing that everything's going to be okay. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I don't know everything's going to be okay at the end of Lies of Locke Lamora, but I believe that Locke knows what the fuck he's doing. And that's mm-hmm. also comforting. Mm-hmm. Or that even even if he doesn't, like that that he will be inspired enough in the moment to pull to pull it out. Because that's the other thing about Locke is it's not right, just like, that like he's leaping well off prepared. the side of a building. Yeah, like he also has that X factor that like somehow like he, yeah. like yeah he has he has both the training and the X factor, whereas the rest of his gang just had the training, and it's not that's not any knock mm-hmm. on them. It's just they're they're not. They don't have that weird, crazy, like, leap of inspiration or logic or illogic or, you know, or whatever, you, however you want to code it. Oh, you mean, like, when um, John's like, I've been using my real name the whole time. You must be so <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, be that be that dead guy from the death cult uh, the rest of the time and you, they'll just, it'll be the wonder of the ages. <laughs> Like, yeah why the fuck were you walking around using your real name man like what that maybe that's also why in my head i was like gene tannen i'm gene tannen <laughs> well especially because he was from a respectable family and like you think they wouldn't like i don't know like that they wouldn't know that Remember that that him? name wouldn't have been known <laughs> Yeah, no, and, that, and the fact, well, I mean, it, that was actually a little jumpy, but I, I did just remember this. Going back to uh, Locke Lamora as like a chosen, like it's like his destiny to kind of be this criminal. It also is a little bit um, Jean's destiny, because remember they said that like maybe you were chosen by the death goddess because like you watched your parents burn to death and you like, mm. and your pet cat, which is really sad and you know, all these other things, like, like, Gene's like a, definitely like a sidekick character, but I think that he could very, very well have his own book. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't, you know, and it wouldn't be like, where's Locke the whole time? You'd be like, yeah, man, get the wicked sisters out. Like, you know, you fucking Gene Tannen. Um, So that, that's just an aside I wanted to go out there in defense of, of, of Jean. Who is, who is just as cool, although I do, when I think of, like, Locke, Locke is, like, quick and on his feet and running around and, like, switching hats and, like, gluing a mustache on. And then Gene's just slowly walking. And it's like, wait till Gene gets here. And I'm like, why is Gene mm-hmm. always late? Where is Gene? <laughs> Can Gene not run? <laughs> Gene arrives exactly when it suits Gene to arrive. <laughs> Gene does not run. Gene walks. You're gonna have to wait. Yeah, but like, but yeah, no, like you're you're absolutely right that there's definitely a um um a weight to him as like as the sidekick character that you want like you don't even think of him in those terms really because he is such like a vital and necessary like there is no there is no lock without Jean like there's just yeah you, he 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 lock does not have the necessary like grounding force and I don't know like the the punch behind his hit if he doesn't have Jean. Right. Well, that's the thing is like Locke can can do everything passively well, but fighting for your life passively well isn't yeah, always that useful. Not. 
<laughs> especially if the other person is way better than you. Sometimes yeah. you need sometimes you need a tank. Mm-hmm. And that's what exactly that's what he is. Uh, favorite moment was when he jumped off the side of the building. Yes. When he was oh like, God. he was like, I'm going to do this, but all you got to do is make me forget I did this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets down to the bottom and they're like, what? He was like, that was a big ass bird. And they're like, yeah. That was a big ass bird. That was a damn big bird. <laughs> like, okay. Biggest bird I ever saw. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Um, and his stupid jacket flying off the side of a building. And then when he gets back, when he goes all the way right back where he started, and she's like, "You jumped off the side of the building onto the elevator, didn't you?" And he's like, "Yes." And she's like, "I told you that's what he did." <laughs> yes. And like that—that's—that's that's an example of the humor of it because, because like nobody believes anybody would be this batshit crazy. And then like, oh no, it is. I see. I told you. I told you. I told you. I'm not crazy. <laughs> um. I think yeah that 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 is definitely in the running for my favorite moments in the in the series too cuz that's one of the few things that I remember about um like one of the very like clear pictures that I have of the book cuz there was a lot that I didn't remember and I was like man I know he goes up into like the you know the elder glass buildings at some point like what was that about and how does he get there mm-hmm. and why does it matter um I think for me my favorite moment is when he gets um when he gets the spider to burn the ships though and because it because it's just such a um like an like an emotional culmination that you know um like why he's doing it like he's making it this death offering for his friends and it's like literally like Mm -hmm. the i'm gonna make an offering for you guys that makes the gods sit up and take notice and so it's like the most important thing that he could possibly accomplish and you know he completely sells it and they like just they buy it hook line and sinker like yeah we're gonna we're gonna sink the plague ship we gotta sink the plague ship (laughs) and it's just for somehow like it's it's almost that's like the only thing he does where you're in on the scam from the beginning because you're like wait a second why is he getting them to do that because that's where all the money is and he's like oh Mm -hmm. you're denying them the money and Mm -hmm. you're killing all those people and it's like oh okay Mm-hmm. but also it's like funny that those people don't get their money i mean haha you're poor now <laughs> you gave like, money to a guy for for i, I don't even know I get, it's like wine it's like really special wine i don't know they're idiots yeah uh, well it, basically they 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 gave it to him because he was giving them their fantasy like mm-hmm. uh, you know we don't we don't really know the details of the other cons that he pulled but that's essentially like what it is it's something that's like fulfilling a wish they maybe didn't even know they had and um do you think it is just... that easy to uh steal money from rich people because boy do i feel like we could do that <laughs> <laughs> advocating, advocating. Just, it's just you like, know hmm. i don't i don't i don't actually know because like the the certainly the entertainment world is full of movies you know that um that imply that um right and where it's just like they don't do. they have so much money they don't even know and you just take it you just take it yeah. from them and they don't need it yeah. <laughs> um 
yeah, I, I don't know, but you know, but at, le- at least in this case, like the we, you know, with Don and Donya Salvara, um, like they were they were fairly young because like that's not said explicitly right up front, but right. like you get it pretty quick that they're you know Don Salvara is like twenty four, so obviously he's like old enough to be in control of his fortune, but probably still kind of hot headed and young, and maybe has he has not been around the block enough times to really like have a good bullshit detector and so in this opportunity that's like too good to be true and it just so happens to fuck over his biggest rival you know and like they're gonna make a bunch of money from it oh man this is like this sounds great let's do this um give this man all this money and let him just walk away and it is funny mm -hmm. because like there's like a whole third of the book where that plot is dead that con is dead because the you know (laughs) the gray king has shown up everything's gone to shit people are dying and then he's like fuck i need to go talk to these people as lucas fairwright again and by then they've been picked up by the spider and you're like no don't go there they're gonna catch you um (laughs) but it's just funny because it's like oh right that old con and by then it's like an old friend you're like yeah Mm -hmm. lucas fairwright let's do it let's put on the black stuffy silly old lucas how are you how are you doing (laughs) It's been a while, friend. (laughs) Um, And the funny thing is, like, in real time, it's also only been, like, you know, maybe a week since his last touch with them. But it's just, like, so much has happened. Yeah, You know, like, yeah. Um, Um, I did want to do some highlights of stuff that I thought was funny before I got to stuff that I didn't, uh, that that was, like, not, you know, not that was just, like, cool action. Um, Yeah. So, again, my favorite character is the doctor that comes in uh, near the end of the book. And where does he say? Oh, his neighbor is Ma- his name is Master Abelius. Oh yeah, he go he's going on and on. So it's like after so this is after Locke has been almost killed and Jean has taken him to this doctor and he wakes up and he's like, What the fuck? You put a poultice on me, it's smelly, I hate it. And he's uh he's he's <laughs> just he's like a he's he just clucks over them. He's very he loves them. He's going on and on about his humors. <laughs> His warm humors were at a singularly low ebb. The channels of his frame were entirely evacuated of vim. He was pale, unresponsive, bruised, desiccated, malnourished. And they're like, can you please stop talking? (laughs) (laughs) Vim, you are entirely... I want to say that from now on. You are entirely evacuated of vim. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, he... They're calling him the dog leech because that's what they call these disgraced doctors. But this man, he is, he's a trained doctor, so do not call him a dog leech. He's just, you know, not doing so great anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with the black alchemist. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, where is it where he's going? This crap on my chest, what is it? And then he calls it a poultice. It's a poultice. It's a proprietary conglomeration. The essence of its function is provided by the admixture of the gardener's assistant and turpentine. And he's like, gardener's assistant? And Gene goes, earthworms. He means earthworms. <laughs> like, Ew, gross. Um... Oh, and um, this this one's this one's good too. Have a care, master. Have a care. I fear you have little conception of your own natural limitations. Make him take the soup, John. He needs to regain his animal strength, or his humors will fade again. He is far too thin for his own good. He is fast approaching anemia. It's just like, 
they're openly planning crimes in front of him and he's like no no you're you're you need to eat more and he's just i love how doting he is it's just like a nice little bit of levity at this very yes uh, at this otherwise very bleak juncture in the very story bleak juncture because people are dying and like yeah oh also what was weird some of the like little asides in the book like the intro the intro to the like this last section it that's called desperate improvisation it says i pitch like my hair's on fire which is apparently a mitch williams quote hmm and mitch williams is a baseball player that i'm googling <laughs> <laughs> nicknamed the wild thing um and i don't know who he played for at all i don't know the Royals, apparently, and the Angels. So, like, well, that's weird. Like, there's modern, there's, like, modern references in the story, which kind of makes me feel like, is this our world? Is it a magical world? Is it just supposed to be, like, for fun? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so that's actually one of the, one of the interesting aspects of this story is that there's all this stuff that was left over from a prior civilization and you know you could definitely read it as maybe like a little bit realm of the elderlings like what how the mm -hmm. elderlings left all these cities behind but you could also read it like i don't know was it aliens was it like some sort of like civilization that had advanced technology or was it advanced magic like it's really ambiguous you know what it is that um that's going on with like the um I think they even call it like the Elder Glass, if I'm not mistaken. That's what yeah. isn't that what they call it, like the Elder Glass Towers and the. Um, so is this what happens in Venice after you know <laughs> after our civilization falls and like the electricity is like you know now looks like magic and well right like and, any technology yeah. sufficiently advanced would appear to magic as as magic mm -hmm. to people who weren't familiar with its use. So yeah, the way that yeah. they are using alchemical like he shakes up a ball and that makes a light and stuff but these are all these are all pieces of technology that i think we would be, it would be easy for us to imagine these as science fiction things mm -hmm. instead of fantasy things mm -hmm. um, the only yeah. thing that doesn't is the name writing mm -hmm. right because everything yeah. else seems to be based on like chemicals and chemistry and um, like mm -hmm. even like when they're turning people, even when you gentle people with the, uh, with the stone, I forget what the stone is called, gray stone, wizard stone, something like whatever that, that yeah. is, the magical incense that if you breathe it in in enough quantities, you become a drooling babe, um, without personality that they use to gentle livestock and stuff. That could easily, like you're saying, aliens. That could easily be something that is like medicinal, so you can operate on people. Or mm -hmm. put them in cryogenic sleep, or mm -hmm. you know, like because their body functions still work, they're still alive. They don't; these mm -hmm. people don't know how to like undo that. But maybe right. there is a way. So yeah, maybe these are all old technologies that only appear as magic. But the mm -hmm. only thing I don't get is the is the the name writing, the true name writing stuff. And, and that was like one of the things that I love about this book overall is like how much it does adhere to real traditions like with the um i mean like even with the different thieves it's almost like you know it's, it's almost guild like well we're the whores guild and we're the you right. know the 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 up the second story guild and we're the street 
you know, where the street guild and things like that. So it's like this real yeah, I think sense of, a lot of the medieval of, guild a lot structure. Of tropes and yeah, yeah. But, but also, yeah. like, oh, not yeah, necessarily they even, like, the even common talk one. about the chefs who, like, yeah, the chefs who have, like, the tattoos on each of their fingers that say, like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've mastered desserts, and I've mastered pork, and I've mastered, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the, the eight delicious arts or whatever. Eight, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> I, I want those tattoos because, you know, as a, as a bonaf- as, as the Martha Stewart of the Death Star, I think I've earned them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, like, those things are... That makes it feel very fantasy that there's guilds, although, you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of science fiction out there where there are guilds and stuff. But, you know, like the way that the fact that they still have push carts and livestock and like the elevators mm-hmm. don't work on electricity. Someone actually pulls them up and mm-hmm. someone's hand, you know, like that, all that stuff keeps it like feeling like a fantasy, even though. Yeah, because it's, it's that medieval sort of feeling. Yeah. But like, yeah. but, but it's like, but this is actually like, uh, it, it's medieval, but it's a different kind of medieval because it's not like medieval peasant on the farm who it's like, like then it's goes like and... Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's, fantasy it's... Renaissance. Exactly. Like, and it's in a city and it's like, it's based on what was in the cities as opposed to like, we're just going on a romp through the countryside over to Mount Doom, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, like the, the caves where we're going to pull the sword of Shannara or whatever it is like so many of the like epic fantasies tend to be There's really no like camping in this which i appreciate yes exactly it. yeah they, they they tend to be wilderness adventure oriented and this yes. is there's no camping For like the, the closest girl, thing yeah i'm a city girl and i appreciate i endorse the lack of camping in this novel word um yes they the, the closest they come to camping is when they're sleeping on the, do- the the doctor's floor you know the the plaza where he's like um squatting basically right right <laughs> which is really funny because um you know playing like cyberpunk and like that's like part of like a video <laughs> game too where you like oh i gotta go fix myself up i gotta go to the doctor i gotta like upgrade my parts or whatever and like that's kind of mm-hmm. how this guy felt to me it's like oh we need him because i've beat my characters to shit and i still need them (laughs) at full strength for this last boss fight so let me introduce this really funny like miracle max type guy who Mm -hmm. who's who's you know he's trustworthy because he also hates this guy's guts yes Uh, i liked it yes wait i bring this bike this guy back to life prince humperdinck cephas Ha! That's what I call a noble cause. <laughs> there was so I, it, it, I'm not crazy, right? Like it felt very like Princess Bride y. Yeah, no, there's definitely like very similar vibes there, and you know, and and given the fact that like the the author's more or less our age, you know, that's to be expected. Like he would have grown up watching that movie, and you know, probably like playing D and D. So like maybe some of like the quest, you know, feeling of it is because I of did that. read like, an interview where he referenced Final Fantasy um, hmm. as an inspiration. I think Final Fantasy six, I want to say, although don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, because Locke. Yeah, um, I think it was Final Fantasy VI. So that was also... So, like, the whole, like, video game structure of, like, okay, here's all your different levels, and this is where you go to get this, and this is where you go to get that, and then, like, you meet all your people, and you build your build your team, and then, you know, like, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. That also makes sense. It's very... Yeah, I can see how it ended up that way. Yeah. Um, so my, my, my only, like, kind of macro level comment on this book you know reading it at 37 versus 24 and after doing a really deep dive on like psychology and 
um, you know, dysfunctional patterns is like, there's a part of me that read this book and was like, oh my God, this, this book is about trauma bonding and it's what happens when you don't leave your shitty hometown and like everybody there is just trying to one up each other all the time and like whatever their ambitions are, like they don't go beyond the scope of like that town and it's just kind of like Mm -hmm. so sad and small. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, like (laughs) there's a whole world out there. You don't have to do this. But at the same time, you can see how, like, that's their entire life. That's everything that they were trained to do. So, like, what the fuck else are they going to go do with themselves? I mean, I think I think that I don't necessarily, I mean, I guess it's because it's not a small town because it is a big town. It's a it's this big city kind of, like, helps alleviate that for me in terms of it being, like, like uh, people who are stuck in ruts that their families created and they're just reenacting that over and over again because it's like anything is possible in Kamor um mm-hmm. and they don't they've they're all not what they came from right because they're orphans so right I also feel it's weird though because like where did Chains get the idea to do this is this something he's done before is there another gang that like failed mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know about the traditions of it of it being that. I mean, certainly they all they all bonded together because they had to to survive. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I guess I didn't really kind of read it that way. To me, it was just more of like a Ocean's Eleven like like fantasy heist. I mean, yeah, I guess and they're I'm... all broken. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one of those things where, like, you could pick up the the problem, the problem with doing that deep dive on, you know, psychology and trauma, I, I don't recommend it unless you want to have the world remade, is that you suddenly start to see it everywhere, <laughs> because it is everywhere. Mm-hmm, like, there's mm-hmm. so much, you know, of our culture that just, like, perpetuates it and keeps it going, I mean, and we don't blink so, at it because it's normalized. Like, violence and machismo and all but, that. yeah. Yeah, um, but that was just, that was the thing that I picked up that I didn't see at 24, and I was like, I wonder if that's why, maybe when I was still relating to that um, perspective, why I loved it so much and latched onto it and was, like, really, like, I connected with it in a way that, like, while I enjoyed this as a story, it was, it was a little bit more removed this time. I was Mm. observing it, I wasn't living it with them, you know. Yeah, I think certainly I, I, I... I experienced the story more as an observer. Like I kept thinking, oh, this would make a really fun movie or a video game that I would play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. It was hard for me to put myself in their shoes because they were just doing things I would never do. Like I, if a sign tells me I have to walk on the left side of the sidewalk, I walk on the left side of the sidewalk. <laughs> um, I could never. The fan, like I could never just fuck people over right and left with no guilt whatsoever the way that they do and i mean obviously they're trained for it and raised for it uh mm-hmm. but yeah that it's just so alien to me and part it's like all that's why i kept saying like they're kind of like x-men to me because it's superpowers those are superpowers mm-hmm. to me the ability to like just lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and like never get caught and just keep going like... <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I i i i do agree with that too like it that there is um, they're very fun as characters in that way, but it's there's a there's a sp- suspension of disbelief that has to happen 
Um, or at least it, I hope, has to happen for most people. Yeah, I would hate... <laughs> yeah, I also was thinking a lot about, like, just the actual way that the city... If if the way that the city is portrayed through the, you know, the points of view that we have it are, is in any way accurate, the city should be fucking empty. It's like judge dread mm-hmm. it's like where you mm-hmm. have all these people are fodder like people are mm-hmm. dying every day murdering each other like where does all the money come from where are all the farmers everyone's either a cop or a prostitute or a thief or a noble exactly it's, yeah it, it's like i can kind of see the edges of the economy and stuff <laughs> but i'm like who are the people who are like picking up the trash like there's mm-hmm. some 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 of it was a little like it just seemed a lot worse than it if it's a city that actually works and like has all of these systems in place like no one's going to be like yeah I, i'm a cop i work for the spider or whatever and they send me to die every day and i'm loyal like mm. yeah suddenly the the ease with which Locke is able to get people to go against their vows makes a little bit more sense if everyone is just that mercenary and that shitty Mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so I, I feel like that uh that was all the thoughts i had on it was there anything else that you um that you wanted to share before we do our final questions hmm. i do wish that there had been more uh women that were not uh enemies Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, why I kind of focused in my summary on uh, Sabitha, mm-hmm. because clearly she's a member of this gang, or at least was a member of this gang, and important to Locke, and she's a presence even though she's not there. Um, mm-hmm. And it would have it would have been nice. Like, I was thinking to myself, maybe Bug should have been a girl, or mm-hmm. just to, like, I mean, I get it, I get it. Sometimes it's about, like, it's like when you going back to final fantasy it's like final fantasy 15 where it's like sometimes it's just like you need a bunch of men on the road together you know maybe that's the, the this whatever the you know lynch is saying about this brotherhood that it's very important you know the mm-hmm. fellowship was a bunch of men i don't know i for me i would have liked at least one more more prominent female character that wasn't in opposition to them yeah, yeah, and it, it, I, I mean, it would have been, it would have been nice for them to have like, um, a member of the gang who was then also not romanticized, you know, because that's the other thing about, yes. you know, with 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 Sabitha is that she's like clear, like Locke can't, like, he, like there's a scene in the whorehouse where he's like, I'm sorry, like this isn't working, and the, the whore's mm-hmm. like, it's because I'm not the redhead you want, and he's like, yeah. You know, so like, like it's she's clearly like his, you know, lost love or whatever, and so which is a you know, little like, a... oh, girl, maybe that's why you ran, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so but you know, so that it's like, well, he does a great job at like peppering women in through like all the other gangs and all the other like spaces where they're kind of like they they're shown to be pretty equal and like there's a lot of opportunity for them in this society. So like, why not then in like the gang as well, even not in that role, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So, um, right, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have, like, like, we know that they they can be like the spider, and we know that they can be alchemical people. I don't know. I just felt mm-hmm. like there was a little bit more room. It felt a little broken. Yeah. But again, that it gave it more of that Tarantino Guy Ritchie kind of feeling. Yeah, which I think is obviously what Lynch was going for, like that. Yeah, especially like if you look at the times that this was published, like that, and mm-hmm. you look at the movies that were coming out, like that. It's. I think it's very of the aughts in terms of like yeah. feel and tone and not and that's not a bad thing i enjoy that genre yeah yeah exactly it was it was definitely fun fun to revisit and um i don't know my um i guess i guess my before we do the final questions my only question for you is like what uh what what job in this economy do you want because i i know what i want i want to be a black alchemist that shit sounded you want to be awesome The Black Alchemist Alchemist sounded cool. I did appreciate just the sheer amount of costume changes. Like, as, you know, as a cosplayer, I'm like, all right, Mm -hmm. like, Locke is, he's got it all, you know? He does wigs, he does prosthetics, he does makeup, Mm -hmm. he does hair, he does, so, I mean. He does fake scars, like. Fake scars. Um, So whoever's making all of the fake, (laughs) the fake mustaches and stuff, that's a cool job. Uh, you get to meet interesting people. Yes, the theatrical uh, prop supplier. That's so. That's that's what that's what you want to do in the, the in the theater. I'm saying theater in this town must be wild. I know we don't get to see it or hear of it, but it must be wild, right? But yeah, but like that. But that's what he's talking about. Is like that that he you know these these were like theatrical th- elements. So clearly, like it's not just some some dude in like the shittiest wig they can gin up pretending to be a woman on stage. No, like, these they are have, like face to face passing. Yeah, like yeah. he was tricking people with their eye, like right in front of them. That's yeah, that's that's yeah. talent. That's talent with exactly. some nose wax and some glue and dyeing his hair gray and shit. Like all right, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Um, I never want to be a magic user. It always frightens me. I always feel like the price will be too high. Well, see, that's that's the thing about the the, the like the black alchemy just meant like black market alchemy. So like right. it's it you know actually I don't know that I'd want to be a black alchemist, but simply like an alchemist in general, like that would be cool ah. and that would that would suit me because it's 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 very principled and it's very like you can um, make alcoholic yeah. oranges. Yes, like it's very test iterative. Like, what what happens when I combine these two? And like, I'm taking you know copious notes. I'm like, oh well, that's an interesting side effect. I'll have yeah. to explore that further. <laughs> the the and apparently I, oranges. I was like, that is some good shit. I want that. Yes, definitely that's a good idea. A, amazing. Well, no, yeah. No so that idea. actually, don't take their money for that. Market yeah, right? Yeah. Like, Block, you need to be financing that shit. Like, mm-hmm. tell them you'll give it all back if you get, you know, a cut on those. Because you're going to mm-hmm. come out ahead, bro. Um, you don't, it's not like you need the money anyway. <laughs> you're not going to do anything with it. Um, he just likes to so, have it. You just like <laughs> to have it. Exactly. Um, so, final questions. Like, yes. is it is it fashion? Like, yes. you kind of alluded to this, but yes. Yes, there's so much fucking fashion! There's so many clothes. <laughs> It's by nationality, by neighborhood, by job, uh, yes. function, and then like that one scene when he confronts the Grey King at the end, and the Grey King is waiting for him because Jean has sent him that note that's like "We are coming for you," and he yes. like he puts on all his gray outfit, and then he goes to his empty barge, and then there's a red light, and then he just sits there in the red light, and I'm thinking, yeah, this mm-hmm. is great. You're all in gray. You've got like one red ribbon around your neck with red light shining on you. I mean that, that's mm. fucking theater. Like that's yes. fashion. 
He knows what yes. that looks like. He's striking a pose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And just, oh my God, like the, the fact that, um, like the fact that there's a discussion on, you know, the, 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 the different implications of like class and society of, you know, how much lace you're wearing and what fucking color your jacket is, mm-hmm. you know, like the, 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 the awareness of that was just it is is wonderful like and it's when so he great. comes face to face with the miragio and he's like hey, what the fuck and he's like do you like my clothes i base it's like he's wearing his clothes but he's like yes. i i told they said that they would give me your cut you must be a very fashionable man yes <laughs> like i went to your tailor there there was no i said i asked who who was the most fashionable uh man in town and i went to your tailor <laughs> I mean, it's all just so funny because it's just like, oh, man, I knew the party was going to be a shit show and it was great. Yes. Um, It was great. All the characters showed up, including the weird bodyguard. It was great. (laughs) Yes. Um, So murder, marry, fuck. I'm Mm. so curious to hear your answers here. Oh, no. If I need to go first, I can because I'm super proud of mine. But like, I want to give you the opportunity. Well, all right. I'll go first so that you can end because... I don't, so in my mind, they're always like, they're always going to be children. Mm. So, and that's like the problem. Um, so I'm guess I'm going to murder, who did I hate the most? I, um, I guess I will murder, I will murder Raza just because he seemed really unhinged and that's fine with me. Uh, I'm gonna marry Jean. He just seemed like a nice man who had, who was in touch with his feelings. Mm. And I think I'm gonna fuck the Salsa twins. <laughs> well, according Can to I the according according to the redhead, she says they are a great time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, those are wonderful choices. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take my chances and kill that fucking bonds mage because he was oh, just yeah. that much of an asshole. Fuck that suck. guy. He, he sucked real suck. bad. We didn't even talk about him. That's how much you sucked, bonds mage. Like, we forgot about you. I just love it when he, like, hugs Jean goodbye and he's like, tear that guy's tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, like, so yeah, so promised. Good. He's like, I didn't promise shit, fuck shit. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> kind of like with the genie it's like i never actually wished to get out of the cave you did that on your own <laughs> yeah so gonna murder the fucking bonds mage because fuck that asshole yeah smart. um yeah uh i'm actually gonna fuck john tannen because mm. like he probably would be my mary except for the whole fact that like he's in a gang and he's a criminal and no <laughs> i'm gonna marry I mean, look, like, he's he's a good choice. If you're Jean's girl, nobody's fucking with you. Like, th- like that's clear. But still, like, criminal gang, no yeah. thanks. Because I'm going to marry Donya Salfara. I was, like, gonna, I was actually going to, I was thinking of that. Yeah. That's a good, that's good. She's like, she's the, she's the, the trifecta. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. And she makes alcoholic oranges. Like, the she woman's makes- a fucking goddess. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. She seems to have it all. She seems to have it together. And I know that the spider was like, you're going to be the new me when I, cause I'm getting too old for this shit. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I was and like, we know yeah, that, but we know she's gonna run it. <laughs> yeah, like she wasn't the the spider wasn't really tapping the two of them. She was yeah. tapping uh, Sophia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, last question: Are there worms? Um, I don't remember any worms. Yeah, there were no, sharks like we, and spiders. There were sharks and crazy spiders, but and I there don't were, think there was. There were gardeners. What, what did he call them? Gardeners oh, there were gardeners. earthworms. Earthworms. There were <laughs> earthworms that made a very fine poultice that was mixed with turpentine that was very needed for his vin, for his inner vin to be restored. Yeah, so, so there it is. There were there there was a worm poultice. <laughs> <laughs> there was a worm poultice. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Gross. So, what are what 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 are we reading next? What do we want to talk about next? Please, not something like terribly long, <laughs> so we don't take so, another year. <laughs> I'm gonna riff off of what you said at the beginning of this episode, and okay. I'm going to assign the Murderbot Diaries. Ooh, I have many okay. reasons. One, they are short, as you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is great because this took us a year, and we can't can't read another thousand page epic. Uh, Two, they also fall under, in a weird way, pandemic stress reading because Mm. Murderbot just wants to watch their stories. Mm -hmm. And I agree. (laughs) I want everyone to leave (laughs) me alone and let me watch my stories. Um, The Murderbot Diaries are by Martha Wells. There are six books i think you're right i think five are out and the sixth one is coming but i will yeah there's there's five there's five currently available and then the sixth is out in april so we can get out ahead of that yeah so we can yeah we'll just do an episode on the murder bot books okay that sounds fantastic i'm pretty sure i can handle that and it'll be fun because it'll be just like kind of straight science fiction but with like badass super capable characters that we like get to watch yes be better than everyone else (laughs) yeah no like kind of kind of going from like that whole well we know like why why does why does Locke have all these crazy skills and then marries it with that like that particular sensibility and then you get a superhero like Murderbot's kind of the same way from what I've read so far so yeah it's it's perfect and strangely comforting. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Cool. I like it. All right. Well, thank you for reading The Lies of Locke Lamora. Well, and assigning it's it to more me. like, yeah, thank, thank, thank you for, thank, thank, thank you, Elena, for making me read The Lies of Locke Lamora is what you meant, you know. Well, the here's the thing. It, I'm, but, I yeah. know, but I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> thank you for assigning it. I read it. Took me a year. Feel a little bit. Feel a little bit guilty about that. It, it um, took both of us a year. Like there's no <laughs> guilt here. Like it took both of us a year. But That's it was fine. so worth it. It was really yeah. so worth it. And I encourage ah. you to read it if you are listening, and you have not read it for some reason. So, yeah, Good I would. Read. I would. Obviously, I would encourage you to read this fucking book too. Um, it. You know, this, despite my like slight, uh, you know, adult self criticisms of it, like I, I really loved reading it again, and I'm glad that that we revisited and that I finally, like, had a chance to talk it over in sort of a, a critical fashion with someone. So thank you for for being a good sport and reading that long ass. Yeah, book. it also it, was... it felt like travel almost. Like, does it mm. count as travel? <laughs> it felt like I went somewhere else. It went, I went to this weird canal city. 
Yeah, almost like going to Venice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, if they cool. ever let us out of this country again, maybe someday I'll get to go to Venice. Um. Yeah, it's fun. I want to go All for right. carnival sometime. So. Yeah. And they cool. had, oh, we'll we see. didn't talk about this, but they had their own little carnival in the book. Remember when everyone um, was like flipping their rolls? Oh, yeah. They kind of, yeah, kind of. Sort um, of. What, what, it's kind of like a topsy-turvy day. Yeah, like, a, it, yeah. Um, but it was it was definitely like a, a, a revel and a big sort of street party and, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Definitely very Venice-y. Yes. Okay. And, and I like that there's so much that we could have talked about and didn't because, yeah, this is like, it was a, it's such a rich book, such a rich world. So just go read this fucking book, y'all. Like, how many times do I have yeah. to say it? It's good. You, you will thank us. <laughs> and uh, someday I will read the rest of the books and hopefully learn Locke's true name. Ah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye.